0: like to Matthew chapter 5 Matthew chapter 5 and 6 I'll have a number of references there let me just say that I do have quite a few scripture references for you this morning and on the sake of time I'll have most of those on the overhead so you won't have to turn that way we can just keep moving but we will be looking at a number of passages that right there in Matthew so that that'd be a good place to just park for a while and I'll join you there soon but Today we want to continue our our series that we've entitled Acts 2.42. And uh, we've been looking at that particular verse and trying to draw out those things that the Holy Spirit seemed to be implementing in that early first century church. It was such a fruitful work. God was adding daily to those that were being saved. It was such a, a vibrant church. And I believe God giving really the template for what He would look for in church going forward through the, through the centuries. And so we want to draw from those things and we want to f- make sure that we're focused on the same things the Holy Spirit was putting the focus on in the, in the first church. And so we're looking for that model. We're looking for that fruit that comes from that. And we see this summary in Acts 2.42 of all the areas that the early church was focused on and it says that they were continuing steadfastly. Let me read it again and remind you. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. That word steadfast, it means to be earnest towards, to be constantly diligent, to adhere to, to attend to, to wait on continually. So this is what the early church was about. They were about being steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, the Word of God. They were steadfast in fellowship and breaking of bread, that coming together as God's people. And then finally, what we'll be looking at here today, they were steadfast in prayers. Prayers. Now it's been said, I've heard a pastor quote this, and I like this. It says He said that prayer is the engine room of the church. You know, uh, the church, if you likened it to a ship, it's moving along across the sea. But something below the surface, something that you can't see with the eye, is that engine room that's producing all of that energy to move that ship through the water. And so it is with prayer. Prayer is not always the most glamorous ministry. Prayer is not always the most obvious thing that's going on in a church. But beneath the surface, prayer is the engine. That is really moving the church forward, and and so this early church, it says that they were they continued steadfastly in these things, and we want to be a church that continues steadfastly in prayer. Unfortunately, prayer oftentimes, as powerful and as essential as it is, it's oftentimes the most neglected. You know, studying the word seems to be something that we enjoy because it it has a ministry into our own hearts. Of course, fellowship has a has a great sense of community and friendship. But prayer? Well, prayer is hard work sometimes. Prayer is not always easy to to discipline ourselves to. And so this is something that we have to sometimes really make a priority. It doesn't come naturally. And I would say, even for our own church, and I don't think we're alone in this, I, I think that most churches, this would be an area that every fellowship needs to grow in. This is an area that we could probably strengthen in, and it would be to the blessing and benefit of the fellowship and our church. Now we'll notice here on that word that Paul uses in Acts 2.42 that they continued steadfastly in prayers, plural. In other words, it wasn't just one prayer, but it was continual prayer. And it wasn't just one type of prayer. It was uh, many types of prayer. And that's what we discover as we look in the New Testament. There are many different types of prayer. There is the prayer of praise and thanksgiving, which we would call worship. There is the prayer of petition, making our requests known unto God. There are prayers of confession, asking God for forgiveness. Prayers of intercession, praying for others, loved ones, lost souls. All different types of prayers. And the point is the church was devoted to all of it. That kind of prayer engine was churning in the early church. And I'd like us to look at those th- some of those things here today as well. What is prayer? Simply put, prayer is talking to God. Prayer is communicating with the Lord. It's nothing to be complicated about. It's just something to understand that that's me communicating with God. We call that prayer. I'd like to break up today's thoughts into three separate areas. first thing I'd like to talk to you about and look at together are the biblical exhortations for prayer. I just want to look at Scriptures. What does Scripture say in terms of exhorting us, encouraging us, instructing us to pray? And of course we'll find a great deal of information there, way more than we could cover today, but we'll pull out some highlights. And so I've just selected some verses for us just to see how prominent this theme is in Old and New Testament. God encourages us to pray. So we want to look at those biblical exhortations. Secondly, I want us to look together at one example of prayer. This is just one example of so many in the Bible, but I've selected this one because it's an example that James draws from when he talks about prayer in the New Testament. So we'll secondly look at an example of prayer. And then thirdly, finally, I'd like us to consider a model for prayer, a pattern, how we might pattern our own prayer life individually, and even that way we would pray together corporately. So let's begin by looking at some biblical exhortations. And again, I'll have so much of this for you on the overhead so that you don't have to turn through. But I'm going to start in the book of Psalms. Now, Psalms is actually the largest book in the Bible. And it is filled with hundreds, literally hundreds of exhortations to worship the Lord. You'll find throughout the Psalms these instructions to sing, to praise, to shout, to make a joyful noise, to give thanks to the Lord. And I want you to understand that part of prayer is worship. Oftentimes we think of prayer as asking God for the things that we need and desire and it is. it is. That is part of prayer. But just in terms of sheer volume, when the Bible talks about praise and worship, there is so much more of exhortation to praise and worship God. And this also is communicating with God, isn't it? If prayer is communicating with God, then offering up thanks and worship to Him is a part of our prayer. Just look at some, and again, there are hundreds just a few tidbits for you. Psalm 29, 2. Give unto the Lord the glory do His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalm 30, verse 4. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His. That includes you and I. And give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. Psalm 100, verse 4 popular, often quoted. Enter his, into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. Psalm 105, verses 1-3. through 3, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing psalms to Him. Talk of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. You see, worship is actually a, an expression of corporate prayer. You didn't realize this, but if you came in here and sang some songs with us, you've already attended a prayer meeting because that's what we were doing. We were, we were thanking Him. We were, as the psalmist says, we were uh, talking of His wondrous works. Your goodness, Your mercy, Your kindness. Lord, they endure forever. Oh, Lord, You're so good. And as we express those things together... We are singing our prayers to the Lord. We're actually following the exhortation of Scripture that says, Sing to God. Come into His presence with a thankful heart. This is a prayer as we worship the Lord. Paul said in the New Testament, when you come together, come, and come with a melody in your heart to the Lord. So part of prayer, it's not the exclusive part, but part of prayer, of course, is our worship life together. So this is an important part of our gathering. Let's look at some other exhortations. Moving out from the Psalms, looking at some other passages. Here's a very famous one, 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and what? Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. The Scripture encourages God's people, that would be the church in our generation, to humble ourselves and to repent and to pray. We, we need to pray for our nation. We need to repent on behalf of our nation, our community, our city, our state. Oh, there's plenty to repent of and to pray about. And God encourages His people. Who else is going to pray? Who else is going to call out to God For the healing and and the revival and the spiritual awakening that is so desperately needed in our time. The heathen are not going to do it. The politicians that don't know God are not going to do it. God's people, if my people, will humble themselves and pray. I will hear and I will heal their land. We need to be praying. And God's word encourages us to pray even for our, our nation. Moving on into Philippians, we see Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Listen, don't be anxious. Don't be worrisome. Instead, pray. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything pray so the scripture says what should i pray for pray for everything <laughs> pray about everything pray for everything whatever is going on in your life pray about it bring it to the lord make your requests known unto him 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16 rejoice always pray without ceasing in everything give thanks For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Have you ever wondered what God's will is for you? Now God has, I think, specific will for each and sometimes that takes time to discern and for God to unfold. But listen, here's one thing you can know is God's will for you. You should be rejoicing, you should be praying, and you should be giving thanks. That's always the right thing to do because it's God's will for us in Christ Jesus. So we're to pray about everything, and we're to pray constantly, all the time. We should be praying. You know, I like to pray sometimes in the car. And i found, you know, when I come to a red light, I get, it gets awkward, right? Because the guy next to me is looking like, who's he talking to? There's nobody in the car. So I got the cure to that. You know, you just buy yourself a little ear, one of those little earpieces. And you just pray away, and people think oh he 's man he 's so important he 's talking to people on the phone you know, he 's so popular amen, brother, God bless you, Lord, you know you just pray the idea is praying without ceasing it's it 's an attitude of prayer now you, you actually you don 't have to have your lips moving every second in prayer, but your heart is open to heaven you know it's it 's an open communication you 're in touch with God all day every day, and there 's just this walking in his presence and that attitude of prayer praying constantly 1st Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8 I desire therefore that that the men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting pray everyone pray everywhere prayer should be really one of the trademarks of God's people and it should be one of the trademarks of his church and express specifically here that the men would take the lead in praying and covering their families, their church, their community, their nation in prayer. James chapter 5. Just some practical thoughts about prayer. In verse 13 it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? You see, in the early church, prayer was the very first thing that came to mind when there was trouble. For us, because we're so sophisticated and we have technology and we have medical advancement and we are so self-sufficient, prayer is often the last thing that comes to mind. Well, all we can do now is pray. We've tried everything else. I guess we'll just have to result to prayer. Sorry to say, that's all you got. See, in the early church, is there a problem? Pray. Don't do anything until you pray. I think it was the author of uh, Pilgrim's Progress. He said, you know, there, there are a lot of things you can do after you pray, but there's nothing that you can do before you pray. Prayer should be the first thing that we run to when there's need. Pray for yourself if you're suffering. Pray for one another if there is sickness or, or need of forgiveness. Pray fervently. That word fervently means uh, to be mighty and to work at. And prayer is work sometimes, isn't it? It doesn't just come easy to us. We got it, It's kind of a, a, a discipline of the heart and will. But pray in faith because bi- the Bible says that the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When we pray, we should be looking for it to avail much. Praying with faith. I want to go over a few more scriptures, and and these will all be scriptures taken from the words of Jesus. Let's hear what Jesus himself says about prayer. Matthew chapter 5. I assume you're nearby there. Take a look with me in verse 44. Matthew 5, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Wow, that is radical. (laughs) That is, If it wasn't Jesus Himself, I'd say this is crazy. This is what Jesus says should mark the life of His people that there would be this connection with a desire to see others saved. Do you understand that lost people act like sinners because that's how they're wired? The the answer is not let's get even, let's take revenge, Let's, let's go get them. The answer is pray for them. Win them over with the character of Christ being seen in your heart and in your walk. Pray for those who persecute you. It happens at work. It can happen amongst family. Pray for them. Pray for them that, you know, now, don't, don't pray that God will smite them. That's the way I pray sometimes. No, no, pray, pray that God will save them. <laughs> I'll pray for my enemies. I'll get you on my prayer list, God. Get him. No, no, not that kind of prayer. Pray for them that they might be saved. You remember Jesus at the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The most effective tool that we have to win the lost is prayer. Now, it, it needs to be supported with the sharing of the Gospel. But I'm telling you, prayer is what opens up that opportunity. You, you know, the Gospel is powerful, but the Gospel, when bathed in prayer for an individual, uh, there it, it, it finds so much more power. It, again, it just puts energy behind that, that opportunity. Pray that God would save. Pray that God would give you opportunity to walk in His love and in the character of Christ. Skip now down to Matthew 6 and verse 5. Jesus giving a little more instruction here now on prayer. He says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you... When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, the unbelievers. And that's not some uh, pagan mantra that you go through. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Jesus giving some real insight into prayer. Don't use prayer as an opportunity to show off before men. Don't use prayer as some kind of a, see how spiritual I am because you see me praying all the time. I want as many people to see me walking around in a very holy attitude of prayer. This was the Pharisees. This was how they would pray. They would pray more for men than they did for God. And Jesus said, Listen, that, that's not what God is looking for. God says, No, rather, instead of trying to pray in a in a way that would, you know, be boastful before men, you go into that secret place. You've heard of that, the prayer closet. Now I do believe, as I said earlier, that we can pray all the time. And I encourage you to just be in an attitude of prayer and pray often, pray in the car, pray in the shower, pray throughout your whole day. But I also think there's something about this setting something of a quiet time aside where there are no distractions and you have opportunity to just bear your heart to the Lord. Now it doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out time. Jesus said, listen, your Father already knows what you have need of. But it's that intimate time of fellowship with Him. There's something about being with the Lord that just not only does it uh, bless the Lord to hear from you, but it blesses you because His presence has a transforming impact on your heart. And you know, when you lay out your cares and when you hand it over to the Lord, you know, there is something very practical. There is like a weight that will lift. That's why, why Paul said, you know, the peace of God. Will guard your heart and mind if you'll in everything be praying. So find that time in your day and, and that, that secret place where you can meet with the Lord and pray and allow the Lord to minister to you there. And remember, you're coming, and I love what Jesus said, you're coming to a loving Father. You're not t- coming to a God who is a f- a far off and and and, you know, looking down like, what do you want now, you know? It's not something that we have to come in and try to plead and beg, but rather just come and be sincere because your Father is waiting for you to to come. He's looking to hear from you. And He already knows what you need. He already knows what's on your heart. You just come and share that with Him and it becomes this time of beautiful fellowship. Moving on, some other instructions from Jesus. Luke chapter 10, and verse 2. Then He said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. This is a kingdom-minded prayer. Jesus is telling His disciples, look the needs all around you. Look at the lost in your community. Look at what's going on in your culture and recognize that the need for Christ is overwhelming. The harvest is so ready, so everybody you meet needs Jesus. Everybody you need." you meet needs Jesus and they don't need anything but Jesus. <laughs> he really is the answer and so the fields are truly white for harvest but the laborers are few. Oh God, bring bring a believer across the path of my loved one. Oh Lord, I pray that you would send a laborer to my family member that lives out of state and I have no opportunity to really uh, disciple and minister but God that you would send workers. God, that you would send Christians out into our community and touch the lives for your kingdom. It's this kingdom mind prayer and asking God to send out helpers. It's better to pray for helpers than to complain that there aren't enough helpers. Why am I the only one that's here and helping and doing? And where is everybody else? Listen, if there's not enough help, pray. Don't imagine like Elijah did, remember when he was hiding in the cave? I alone am left to serve you, Lord. And the Lord said, No, you're not. I've got hundreds of others. get get, get up and get back to work and get back into the work of the kingdom. No don't 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 complain, but pray. Pray with a view to the harvest, for the loss for the work of the kingdom. Moving forward, Mark chapter fourteen, verse thirty eight, watch and pray. Lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Oh, can't you say Amen to that, Lord? I want to be a prayer warrior, but huh, it's hard. You know, my flesh is weak. I find myself as these disciples did. This was Jesus in the in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is Jesus at his ultimate crisis moment, and he asks his disciples to come and pray. And how does he find them? Sleeping. <laughs> That's the way I do some of my prayers, too. I start well, but then I'm, I'm asleep. I'm, I go into deep prayer. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. The, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. But notice what he says. Listen, you need to watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. See, I see this as a kind of praying preventatively. Jesus knew what was coming. Jesus knew that some of the greatest trial and testing was just hours away for his disciples. They didn't see it. They didn't know that. They knew something was up with Jesus. But, you know, they had Jesus. What, what possibly could go wrong? And they didn't see the, the danger just ahead. But Jesus did, and that's why he said, listen, you need to pray. You don't know what's waiting. You don't know what trial is coming your way. But you just know that they're, they're out there. And so you need to be watchful and alertly praying because in praying, it, it prepares you for that trial. It helps protect you from those temptations. You know, I think a lot of people stumble into sin and they find themselves kind of struggling with sin and it's, it's more a result of prayer life than anything else. If you would just ready yourself in prayer... Listen, the time to get ready in prayer is not when the crisis arrives. Now, when the crisis arrives, pray. But the time to ready yourself really is before. That's why it becomes this discipline, this watchfulness, this alertness in prayer. Because you recognize that you're going to need that spiritual strength to protect you from falling, from giving place to temptation. You know that your flesh is weak. And you know that you have to Discipline and purpose your will to pray. Those are some good scriptural exhortations. I want now to look at just one example of prayer. And I chose this example because this is the one that James references when he's encouraging the New Testament church to pray. And it's the time when Elijah was praying, and it was after his spiritual victory up on Mount Carmel and there had been a drought for many years. In fact, he had prophesied there would be a drought. God was judging the nation of Israel, King Ahab, for their disobedience. But now God is bringing kind of something of a revival back. The, the prophets of Baal have all been killed off. And there's been this victory on Mount Carmel. And now Elijah is going to intercede and ask for rain. And he's beginning again to pray. This has been after years of drought. And picking it up in verse 42, it says, And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. And then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand, rising out of the sea. And so he said, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. So we see this man Elijah. And and what I want to remind you is what James tells us about Elijah He was a man just like you and I. Yes, he was a prophet used mightily of the Lord, but there was nothing special about this man except that he prayed to a very special God. And you have the same resource, the same power, the same availing much is available to you just like it was to Elijah. A few things we notice about his prayer. First of all, his prayer was humble, wasn't it? It says that he went and he bowed down and he put his face between his knees. Even his posture in prayer. Now, you don't have to put your face... I don't know if I can put my face between my knees. You don't have to be really, you know, uh, adamant about kneeling in prayer. There's nothing wrong with kneeling in prayer. But the, uh, the more importantly is the attitude of the heart. I'm coming before Almighty God and I'm humbling myself before Him. I'm recognizing the privilege that I have to approach such an awesome God, that I have this wonderful access to the God of all the universe, the creator of heavens and earth, the one to whom nothing is impossible, and he bids me to come and speak to him. And so we we see a certain humility, but we also see a certain expectation in his prayer. He's praying, and he tells his servant, go up to the top, And see if you look out toward the sea and see if you see any clouds. I mean, he's fully anticipating God is going to send immediate answer to his prayer. Now, I've been to Israel a couple times. And there's a, you know, Mount Carmel. We were there on a really cool day, a clear day. And from the top of Mount Carmel, you can look all the way out and see the Mediterranean. And so I just, you know, when I was there, I was just thinking of this. I was thinking, this is where Elijah's servant. He came up and he looked out. "Hmm, Clear day. Goes back down. No clouds, nothing. And he just kept praying. And he just kept praying. Go up again. Okay. Up. Back. I don't know. three, four, five times. <sighs> well, let's try this again tomorrow. That would have been my idea. No, he just kept praying. He was expecting that God would work. And this expectation is what allowed him to be persistent in prayer. God wants to work in your life. God wants to work in our generation. God wants to work in this place. We've got to pray. We've got to cry out to Him. He wants. He will. We've got to expect Him to work. And so we must persist in our prayers. We cannot give up. We cannot lose heart. We must be diligent in prayer. Seven times. And finally, His servant comes down and said oh, after seven times, Okay, Elijah, okay, listen, I saw a cloud, but i, I got to tell you, there's this is wee little tiny fist of a man's you know, hand man's hand way off out in the distance. And here we see Elijah rise up because he had faith in prayer. That's all he needed to see. You saw a little little tiny cloud out there? Whew, it's coming. Tell Ahab, get on the move. Rain's coming. He knew immediately that once that first sign of answer appeared on the horizon, God was getting ready to move and God was getting ready to work. And so he had faith in prayer, and boy, he experienced answered prayer. A heavy rain came upon the land, and it had not rained for years. And again, James says of Elijah that he was a man just like us. Be encouraged today, because the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, and all of you are made righteous in Christ, if you have relationship with Him and you're sincere in Christ, you have the righteousness of Christ already credited to your account. When you come to prayer, you have opportunity to avail much. Opportunity to avail much. Let's think of a model now. And we'll close with this model for prayer. And of course, the very best model is the one that Jesus gave to His disciples, often referred to as the Lord's Prayer it might better be described as the disciples' prayer because they were asking him, how should we pray? And he said, this is how you should pray. You're there in Matthew chapter 6. Pick it up in verse 9. Jesus says, in this manner, therefore pray. Here's your pattern, guys. Here's your model. Now, that doesn't mean you have to mimic these words every time, although you can. It's it's nothing wrong with memorizing and and speaking it, but this is rather to be the, the outline of how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, some things to consider as Jesus gives this pattern for praying to the Father. First of all, I see that it is a prayer of worship. Hallowed be your name. Here's how you start your prayer. Acknowledging that God is holy. Acknowledging that He is awesome and powerful. Acknowledging that there is none like Him. Holiness communicates all of that. His name is mighty. His name is above all names. We come to a God with whom nothing is impossible, and we come acknowledging him that he is to be hallowed. It's a declaration of who he is, it's an acknowledgement of his holiness, his greatness, and it is a prayer that would see him glorified. Hallowed be your name. May your name be great. That's a good way to start prayer, a prayer of worship. We also see, secondly, I'm, I'm calling this a prayer of alignment. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Lord, as I pray, I want my prayers to be aligned with Your will. So often when we pray, I've been guilty of this, I'm looking to get Him aligned with my will. Lord, here's what I need You to do, and Lord, this is good, this is right, and it'll be so good if You do this. And trying to get him to align with my will versus aligning my heart with his. Now just ask you, and, and, and I say I've done this, I know you've all done that too. But just ask yourself, and I have to ask myself, this, do, do I really want to be praying for something that is outside of God's will? Do I really want to be wrestling him to do something that isn't even within his will? Is that really going to work out good for me? Is that going to be the place of blessing and fruitfulness for my life? From a Heavenly Father who loves me, who knows everything, who knows the future, the the past, the beginning from the end, am I to lecture Him on what needs to be done? Or should I come and align my heart first with those things that I believe He wants to do? Prayer is not to get God to do our will, but to partner in bringing His will. I love what Chuck Smith says on this subject people often misunderstand the purpose of prayer. They think mistakenly that prayer is a way for us to get God to do the things we want done and bring the things we desire. But that was never God's intention for prayer. The purpose of prayer is that we may join hands with God to accomplish His purposes here on earth and to accomplish what otherwise might not have been done had we not prayed. God is ready to work. And he's simply looking for a heart that is aligned to birth it in prayer and watch God go to work. And so this is the invitation to pray. This is why Jesus would say, Look, seek first the kingdom, and all the other things will be added. God will take care of you if you will but tend to his heart and make your prayers in alignment with his. With his. Thirdly, I see clearly it is a prayer for provision. Give us this day. Our daily bread. And I see in that idea of daily bread everything that I need. I mean I I I need to I need money so that I can buy daily bread. I need a good job so I can earn the money to buy the daily bread. I need to be healthy and, and able to work so that I can get a good job and earn the money that I need. See, it all is connected. It's a prayer for provision. God, I need your help. I ask you to give me those things that I need today to be sustained, to be protected to be able to do the work that I believe you've entrusted to me. Now, it's not a prayer asking for everything that we want, but it is rather a prayer asking God to supply everything that we need. And it's good to to make your requests known to him. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. James says, listen, oftentimes you have not because you ask not. Ask the Lord for those things that you need because your Heavenly Father knows what you need even before you ask. He's wanting this to be a part of a loving, dependent relationship with Him. And you'll notice it says, give us this day our daily bread. The presumption is that you'll be praying every day. Pray today for what you need for today. And guess what? Tomorrow, get up and pray again. (laughs) Pray tomorrow for what you need for tomorrow. A daily relationship with the Lord. It's a continual walk. This prayer life is not just in crisis time only. It's not just once you know, a week or you know, once on occasion when it, when it comes to you. It's rather a relationship that is praying for those things that you need every single day. Fourthly, we see that it is certainly a prayer for forgiveness. Forgive us our debts. And the honest heart before the Lord does not come in self-righteous, but comes in. And again, if it's daily, I can, you know, I can relate to it. Lord, every day I need your mercy. Every day I'm asking you to, to cleanse me. You know, I would, I would encourage you to keep short debts with the Lord. Don't go long periods of time in sin and, 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 and you know, living outside of it. You know, as, as soon as you've offended the Lord and your conscience is aware Come quickly and confess and repent and get forgiven. Keep a short debt with the Lord. Be quick to confess, quick to repent. Don't wait until you, know, you have a couple of good days because then maybe he'll be a little more open to forgive me. I can't, I can't ask for forgiveness now. It just happened. It just doesn't seem right. I, I, I need to, I'm i going to get my act together in a couple days. I'm going to do really good, and then, when, then I'm going to come and ask the Lord to forgive me. You see, that's misunderstanding the idea of grace and mercy. That's imagining that somehow you have to contribute. That somehow you have to earn God's mercy and forgiveness. But you can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't put a couple of good days down and then deserve it. That's why it's called grace. Listen, you don't deserve it. None of us do. Jesus died on the cross because we couldn't do it for ourselves. None of us can save ourselves. None of us can live up to the standard that even our own hearts desire, let alone His holy standard. Come and receive forgiveness. Be quick to repent. And let that even be a humbling for you. Lord, I just have to put myself at Your mercy again. Here I am again. Forgive me. Cleanse me. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm turning from that. I'm repenting. Give me the strength to live for You. Not only is it a prayer for forgiveness, I think it's also a prayer for the ability to forgive. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive those we forgive those debtors against us. So, and, and I don't know about you, but I can't do that in my own strength. When someone wrongs me and, and it's and it's not right and it's unfair and I'm wounded and there's a real consequence to the offense. I don't just have it naturally in me to be forgiving. I find that it's the grace of God that has to help me and enable me to be forgiving. And the basis on which I can forgive is because he has forgiven me. And that grace that has touched my life now becomes the grace that works through my life. Don't hold on to uh, keep short accounts with the Lord and keep short accounts with your brother and sister. Don't become resentful. Don't become bitter. Don't hold on to those hurts. It's poison in your well. Lord, forgive me and give me the grace to forgive others. And be free of it and let the Lord take care of you and take care of it and them. Like we said earlier, even praying for those who treat you badly. Finally, well, not finally, but almost finally, finally, <laughs> It's a, uh, it's a prayer for holiness. Lead us not into temptation. You know, there's something about praying that prayer that becomes, again, one of those uh, preemptive prayers. Lord, I know that, that there's temptation out there, and I'm asking you to keep my feet far from it. You know, sometimes we end up in sin because we plan to go near it thinking maybe we can handle it or we can dabble or just check it out. What's going on over there today? Hmm, interesting. And boom, you're ensnared. You're entangled. Part of the prayer life is, Lord, keep me far from those things. Help me to walk in obedience. Help me to walk free of those things that would entangle me. It's a prayer for holy living. Lead me not into temptation. And it's a prayer for protection. Deliver us from the evil one. Lord, break the power of Satan and when he comes, give me the grace to resist him that he might flee from me. I do not have to serve sin and Satan. I do not have to be under the bondage of addiction and habit and those things that would so entangle me. But Lord, give me the grace. Deliver me from that power of darkness. And finally, it is a prayer of praise. It comes full circle. It starts with worship hallowed be your name. And it ends with worship for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It comes full circle back to acknowledging who it is we're praying to. I would encourage you today to make prayer not only a part of your private devotion life, but that it would spill over even into the life of your fellowship. And when we come together, we can pray together. Of course, worship is one of the ways we pray together. But even praying for one another, you know, it's very cool to kind of be out in the fellowship hall and see people kind of paired off, people praying for one another. Like, you know, let's pray. Oh, I'm going through something at work. Let's pray. And you see guys and, and ladies you know, par- praying. It's a good thing. Let's be a praying people. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray, uh, you know, in our own devotion life. Prayer is the engine room. Prayer is what moves. Prayer is what avails much. Not worry. Not sweat. Not effort. Not complaining. Prayer. Prayer avails much. Now God may put you to work. God, there may be some effort and there may be some practical things, but oh, that it would begin in prayer. As I said earlier, I think this is probably the area. You know, our church, we're we're, we're very blessed. I hope you know that. I, I think you do. You know, we're, we really do have a neat fellowship. It's, it's, a, it's a healthy church. God's really ministering to us. The Word of God is, is ministering into our hearts. We have wonderful fellowship, a lot of good spiritual energy in our midst when we gather. So we have those, that, that Word and, and, and the fellowship, but I think there's room to grow in prayer. I would encourage you to make that a part of our church life, these things that the Lord has made priority in Acts 2.42, I think if we can keep those alive and before us, we will see the same results of God blessing and working and establishing a furthering of His kingdom. And it will be a great thing to be a part of. Let's close in prayer. Father, I do thank you for this series that we conclude here today. Just kind of resetting our priorities as a church, Lord. Reminding ourselves those things that were so um, important in the early church. And Lord, we know that that early church was a church that was led by the Spirit. And so we want this church to be also led by the Spirit. And we want to be focused and prioritized on the very same things. Your Word, our fellowship and relationship with one another, and prayers. And so, God, I I ask that you would continue to add to the church daily those that would be saved, that you would continue to bear fruit for your kingdom and for your glory. And as our heads are bowed here today and we close in this final word of prayer, I do want to give opportunity, if you're here today and you need the Lord, It may be that you are here today and you do not have this kind of relationship that we've been talking about where you're coming into a loving Heavenly Father. It may be that you need to receive Christ into your heart and receive that forgiveness, that grace that you could never earn, that you could never get it together well enough to deserve, but that is offered to you so freely because He loves you. And maybe you need to receive Christ into your heart today and allow this forgiveness to come upon you Maybe you need to rededicate, recommit your life. I'm talking about those who have drifted away from the Lord. You're here today and you're not walking with Him. Your prayer life is something about of days gone by. A distant memory. And the Lord is calling you back into that intimate relationship and fellowship with Him. And you just need to recommit yourself to Him today. I'd love to pray for you. So if you're here today and you need the Lord Jesus, maybe for the first time in your life, or you need to recommit, rededicate your life to him, I would ask you simply to raise your hand where you're seated. Let me see you and I'll pray for you. Bless you. There's a hand there in the center. Upstairs, sir. God bless you. Over here on my left. Back there, too. God bless you, sir, as well. Over here on my right. God bless you, sir. Any others? You know, the beautiful thing is your Heavenly Father already knows what you have need of. He's just waiting for you to come and acknowledge to Him that you need Jesus. Anyone else, just before I pray, God bless you, ma'am, and you, sir, as well, and you, young man, as well. Just before I pray, anyone else? A couple hands over here on my right. God bless you. you sure in the center. Amen. The Lord knows. The Lord loves you. I'm just going to pray. But prayer is effective. Prayer is good. Prayer is going to bring real grace into your life. Anyone else? Just before I pray for these that have responded. Amen. Last call. Anybody else? So Lord, I... Okay. You got in under the bell. (laughs) Lord, I do pray for these hearts that have uh, responded to you today. And Lord, I pray that you would meet them so lovingly, so gracefully in their hearts right now. Lord, that you would remind them that that You knew their need even before you acknowledge, they, they acknowledged it. And so You meet them today as we come honestly before You as Jesus taught us, Lord. We, we just acknowledge, Jesus, forgive us for our, of our sins and help us to be forgiving. Lord, cleanse me. Wash me clean, not because I deserve it, but because You died on the cross and rose again on my behalf and You love me. And let that be my covering today in mercy and grace. And Lord, move into my heart in the person of Your Holy Spirit and begin to help me lead and walk a life that is with You. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For truly, Lord, Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.